You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hi, I'm Ralph Powell, co founder and CEO of Real Vision. Thank you so much for listening to the Real Vision podcast. At Real Vision, we pride ourselves on providing the best in-depth expert analysis available to help you understand the complex world of finance, business, and the global economy. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll accept my invitation to try Real Vision Plus for 30 days for just $1. Visit realvisionpodcast.com today and join us as we navigate the financial world together. Cheers. The growth of internet ad spending means you're going to see more meal kits in grocery stores. Welcome to the knock-on effect. This is the knock-on effect, where we start with the thing you know and end up in a strange place. Oh, yeah. I'm Justine Underhill, and joining us today, we have Alex Rosenberg. Hello. And we have our very special guest here week two in a row, Roger Hurst. Hi again. Okay, great. So we're going to go on this journey of discovery from internet ad spending all the way to meal kits in grocery stores. And, um, and just to give a bit of a teaser, because a meal kit is where there's just real quick. Oh, yeah, sure. It's a prepped meal. It's basically all the ingredients that you need to create a meal. These are very, very are catching on mm-hmm. um, amongst millennials. So, it, so it's similar to, to Blue Apron or Yes, exactly. Like Perfect. Okay. Great example. And just another note, this is a hub and spokes model of the knock-on effect. So we're going to focus on one topic and then branch out from there. Come for the hub, stay for the spokes. Ooh, I like it. All right. So this week we start in the world of advertising. And 2017 was a very big year because that was a year that digital ad spending surpassed that of TV. So TV Hmm. um, no longer in vogue or not as much in vogue. Um, And I just want to give a little bit of stats here. Uh, TV ad spending brought in $178 billion worldwide, whereas digital ad spending brought in $209 billion Hmm. worldwide. And that those crossed um, in terms of the amount of spending just last year. Hmm. And this is expected, the divide is expected to grow even more. And, I mean, no surprises here, the the places that are going to be most benefited by this changing trend, these shifting trends, are, of course, Amazon or major market sellers online. And specifically, Amazon has been reaping such major wins here because most product searches start on Amazon. If I'm going to search for, I don't know, a foghorn for rent or sure. dental floss. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Um, if you search for that. I just bought a foghorn last week. Oh, okay, good. So yeah, foghorn searches, you start on Amazon. Right. You don't Google it first. No. Um, and so that's actually been growing quite a bit. Um, Recode did this really wonderful uh, study, and I put study in quotes because it was informal, where they looked at Amazon and the amount of ads that are placed on a page. Um, and when you search for something like cereal, the entire first page or a good portion of that first page is taken up by by ads. And so I did I did my own search where I, I also looked up cereal and there were even more ads on that page than what Recode had found. Mm. Um, and it was advertising things like 
breakfast bars and all sorts of other things that you wouldn't necessarily. Well, I guess breakfast bars are it's kind in, it's of in the cereal. It's in the, uh, yeah, they, cereal camp. They weren't. So, sometimes it's like a lot of b- bits and pieces of cereal kind of smushed together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they may. It's, it's the easy version. You don't have to have any milk or anything. Just pick it up, go off. You don't even have to wait. Oh yeah, that's true. It's sort of a breakfast bar. How long are you coming? waiting for cereal? Yeah. Well, <laughs> what? Yeah. It, I, I, I feel like this more has to do with some domestic issue in Roger's house. But the clues. No, in the no one's staring at you saying "bad boy" five minutes until your cereal. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you just pick it up and go. Actually, of all the food, cereal is probably the quickest. Quickest. Thing. What, what, what? What wait is this? But you might want to, you might just want to get out and go. You don't have to pour it out, get the milk out, clean up afterwards. It's a breakfast bar. The clue's in the name. Uh, Roger lives a very efficient lifestyle. Yes. I think that's what we've learned today. 30 seconds, no sorry, Bob. Yes. <laughs> so what we do know is that spending on these sponsored products in Amazon search has increased by 165% over the past year. Mm. And so that's just continually growing. It, it makes all the sense in the world, right? I mean, it, if people are going there to to buy a foghorn, why would you advertise anywhere else? Why, why, it, it's, they have such an ace in the hole. I mean, why would you advertise on television or even on another website? Right. You want to make sure that, I mean, it makes the most sense to advertise right at the point of sale. So you want, when someone's making a decision, that's probably the best place to advertise. And so that's why, um, as we see ads shifting more online, we're going to have some profound effects in a lot of other businesses. So we oftentimes think of TV as um, a business that's going to be heavily impacted by this. But there are other businesses. And actually, uh, a big business that will be affected is your local grocery store. And so we're going to go down Mm. this. So for all our listeners, I want you and actually Alex and Roger, we can all do this together. Great. So I want you to close your eyes and imagine you're inside your favorite grocery store, okay? And you're walking down the aisle. Let's say it's the cereal aisle. So what do you see? So maybe on the right, you'll see some Cheerios. And on the left, you'll see some Frosted Flakes. What do you guys see? Family pack Kellogg's. Okay. Eight <laughs> little boxes. <laughs> Alex? Uh, I'm ashamed about what my favorite grocery store is. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's something organic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't want to hear yeah, it. Well, we don't mushrooms. we we don't want to know about that. Anyway, so maybe you might see some lucky charms, you might see some rice krispies. Um and I I'm no I'm no magician, but I'm going to hazard a guess that likely the cereal that people are thinking of, except for Alex, um is likely from one of the three major players. So that's either Kellogg, General Mills, or Post. They dominate the cereal aisle. And we will get to exactly why they dominate the cereal aisle, because there actually is there's a reason for that. So what most people don't realize... What's amazing, I hate to interrupt, but yeah. what's amazing is that I just realized that my favorite supermarket is also owned by Amazon. Oh, really? Oh, Whole Foods. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you, you can't say, that, can't out say that out loud. No, yeah. That angers both the left and the right. Right. <laughs> yeah, no no good. Well, what most people don't realize is that behind all of those cereal boxes, as well as throughout the entire store, there is a war over real estate. Hmm. And the real estate is for sale to the highest bidder. So this is where we get into the world of slotting fees. So basically how this works is that food makers pay grocery stores for certain coveted spots. So the most coveted spot will be, let's say, uh, anything that's eye level. So things... Um, 
that are right, the, like maybe right below the top I, shelf. I level for who? Yeah, right. I guess <laughs> that, that's a good question. Right. So maybe Gushers might be, you know, on the lowest shelf because you want it to advertise that towards kids. Right. So there might there might be a hierarchy there. But really the person making... Whereas the, Tolios are on the <laughs> top <laughs> exactly. shelf. Roger's favorite breakfast cereal. <laughs> yeah. And so that's where it's like, uh, there there might be some of that going into it. But I I would say the five, eight to six foot eye level is what they're targeting. I don't know, maybe really? six. That's probably not true because more, five, five, more, six to uh, six foot is yeah, like I feel the like more probably more women, women making men purchasing and, decisions. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, what we do know, top shelf not coveted. Six foot. I don't know. People are six foot. No. Taylor Swift. How tall are you, Roger? Six four. Oh, see. All okay. right. Well, so yeah. it's not. We, we don't have to cater to the freaks among <laughs> yeah, us. Okay. Well, but anyway, so you don't want the lowest shelf. You don't want the highest shelf. You want things that are in the middle, very, very visible. And so there are actually, um, so what we're discussing here are slotting fees, but there are actually four types of fees that exist. And I want to go through each one, but we'll start with uh, slotting fees. And in 2003, the FTC actually conducted a study on slotting fees. And they found that if you, as the food maker, um, or let's say even if you're a soap maker, anything that goes into a grocery store, you could, if you wanted to get one product in a chain of stores for one metropolitan area, you would have to pay between $2,000 for your product to $21,000. So just to get that on the shelf. That doesn't even necessarily mean it stays there, it's just on the shelf. And if a food company, let's say, wanted to roll out a whole new product line nationwide, it would cost between $1 million to $2 million. Mm. So that's, I mean, that is a significant barrier to entry, let's say. If you're a food maker, like a mom-and-pop food maker, mm-hmm. and let's say you're selling a, a dental floss or something, um, then... It's not necessarily edible, by the way. That's, oh, yeah, your, that's, fir- true. that's your first problem. <laughs> okay, I think fine. you got to go back to square one. <laughs> okay, fine. Let's say... So what kind of it, foods are we going to make? Any, it's any product. Okay. Um, All right, so can we... So let's say... So you're a dental floss maker. Fine. Um, and you want to get your dental floss in a wide range of stores, you might have to pay a pretty hefty fee to get it on the shelf or toothpaste or whatever you want right. it to be. Um, and so there are certain areas that are more coveted than others. So I'm going to go through some of these. The ice cream aisle mm-hmm. is incredibly competitive. Interesting. Interesting. Next one is frozen pizza. Very competitive. Okay. DiGiorno, like that, they dominate that space. Right. Uh, cereal, as we were talking about before, that's why I chose the cereal aisle. That's very competitive. And then probably one of the most competitive spots is the checkout. Makes sense. Yeah, because that's sense. where you are making your impulse purchases. Right. Um, so I do have an example here. One candy maker paid a chain half a million dollars to place a single product next to its cash registers for a few months. Hmm. That's pretty crazy. Um, and it's actually, I thought this was interesting, it's creeping out of the cereal aisle. So Kellogg actually paid for its cereals to be placed in the produce area because they want you to associate Kellogg, like cereal, with bananas and like fresh cut strawberries and other things. So as you're buying yeah. strawberries, you'll see, oh, Kellogg, this makes natural sense. Well, I do take you know time to make my own breakfast then. Oh, yeah. Fruit, fruit does go nicely with all these cereals. So I can right. understand that makes a lot of I, sense. Yeah, I would just picture Roger's breakfast with like I this know. extravagant we're, like, we're tea and everything. We're, we're making fun of it, but, but we're imagining like, you know, a little bit of milk in a bowl, but I'm sure it's like high, high breakfast. 
high. That's what homegrown or strawberries sliced in. Yeah. Like, like you know, those ads where they're like part of a well-balanced breakfast. Like Roger actually makes that breakfast. <laughs> yeah, right. That's that's oh man. Oh, we make our own Alpen type stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Your own Alpen. Yeah. What's, yeah. what's Alpen? Alpen. So I, it's um uh it's a muesli type thing. Oh. So mixture. So Alpen. Yeah, it's a Swiss name, I think. Or Swiss. Oh, you make your own. Yeah, you make it up from lots of bits and pieces. You can reduce the amount of sugary stuff that you put in, so it's actually healthier. And then you have the the sugars come from the natural sugars of the fruits, fresh fruits. Do you, do you do it overnight? Do you do overnight oats? Um, we can do. Sometimes we'll bake it, so it actually becomes. You Ooh. do put a little bit. You have to put things a like butter. a little bit of honey and stuff ah, like that in. Yeah, okay. so you do have to put some bad stuff in to congeal it. But yeah, a little bit of that, or you just dry it out overnight. And we have an agar, so it's a slow slow cooker. I definitely think Europeans, and I'm grouping UK yeah. into Europe, uh, have a different relationship with food than I have. I mean, I just never put that much effort. You would, you wouldn't put that much effort into a meal. Not like you're talking about, yeah. Even dinner. Maybe. What's the longest you've planned dinner in advance? Like number of days. L- I like to cook myself. Yeah. I, the most is like when I got a Blue Apron kit, and uh, so this will come full circle actually. Yeah. And um, I that was maybe four days in advance. But they gave it to me, so I had to do that what they were. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if that counts. Well, so just to get your product on the shelf, that's one fee. So that's the slotting fee. And now I have the promised other few fees that we we're going to just quickly mention. So we have pay-to-stay fees. So that's just to keep your item on the shelf, um, which can be in the form of promotions or discounts. So there's other ways to negotiate those those fees. Then there are purchasing allowances, where if the store buys 10, they get one free. And then there's free fill, which is where extra product is sent uh, to cover display, sampling, breakage, et cetera. Um, and so just because you've paid all this money to get your item in the store doesn't necessarily mean it stays there. And somebody else can come along and pay more. So there is, wow. I mean, there's bidding in a way where people have paid for a certain product to be there and then they do find you, out that it's gone. Do you call that gazumping? Gazumping. Gazumping. Oh, so gazumping is more with housing in the UK. But if I put my offer in for a house, let's say £100,000, and they go, yeah, you're done. But until I've actually done the contract, someone else can come and go 110 and knock me out, even though I've had an agreement, but it's oh. only been a verbal agreement. Yeah, it's, it it's, sounds like it's the same kind thing of here. like that. You just go in and just knock them out. It's funny, gazumping is actually a Dr. Seuss word, too. Uh, it's from the Lorax. So uh, I was a little bit taken aback from that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so and it seems kind of not fair, but it actually gets even more not fair, okay. if that's possible. Yeah. So, in addition to all of this, uh, chains have designated some products as. Uh, category captains, so which enables them to basically dictate the layout of entire food section that they already dominate. Um, these agreements are actually formalized in multi-year contracts. So, so you can basically say, if if, if you're the captain of cereals, Captain Crunch. Oh yeah, of course, then naturally. You can, then you can say, okay, I want uh, Fruit Loops to the left of me. You know, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle. I don't know where I'm no. going. No. Um, it will, so cereal's more complicated because you have all these different cereal okay. brands so, owned by one company. So, so but uh-huh. but I mean, so but let's say it would be General Mills uh, deciding yeah. where cereals go, or um, maybe let's pick in the pizza aisle. It might be DiGiorno um, picking where different items go. And uh, they're, they're competitors. Yeah. They would pick of the competitive, like they, so they get to basically organize the entire section. Um, and so when wow. you see people stocking store shelves, they're not necessarily employees of the Kroger or whatever company you're in. It's, or whatever grocery store you're in. It's actually very likely that it's maybe somebody from Nabisco or mm. somebody from DiGiorno or Edie's or Dryer or wherever. Um, 
they are stalking. There was, I was reading blogs online and somebody was talking about how they asked somebody for directions in the grocery store. They're like, oh, where can I find uh, produce? Mm-hmm. And this person said, oh, I don't work here. I'm just stocking the shelves. Right. So can can the supermarkets play these people off against each other and have you know, they say yes, you can have the space, but then you can have the space, and then they knock the others out? And... Well, there's actually yeah. So there's um, there's actually a, an example um, from Hydrox Cookie. Um, so this is a competitor to, to Oreo, and this comes from <laughs> just, a... just just hardly less less popular, right? Just yeah. very very close. Hydrox. Very... <laughs> Hydrox. Can you describe yeah. that to, uh, you know, to a non-U.S. Hydrox? I mean, I was I was telling somebody about a Hydrox. I said it sounds very chemical. Like it, it sounds. Ex- explain Hydrox to a U.S. person. I've never heard of it. Yeah, right. Hydrox is. It, First of all, it's unpronounceable. <laughs> How do you spell it? H y d r o s. I know. Yeah, it doesn't, that, that, it doesn't conjure up cookies, does it? <laughs> no, you don't. No, think, but they're they're the discount cookie maker, oh, basically. I mean, we just call them cheap cookies or just something yeah. that works. Any hydrox. Yeah. Hydrox. What? What? Mm. what Who's asking for hydrox cookies? Hy- I, I actually told another friend about this, and they were saying that they love hydrox. They cookies. love hydrox. They, they grew cookies. up on hydrox cookies. There's. Were they, were were they big... stocking a store shelf as you? Yeah, no, they um, it has a pretty good following. So what they said in the Facebook post was hydrox. Hydrox, yeah. Um, we at Hydrox Cookie <laughs> have been very frustrated with the hiding of our cookies at major retailers by the folks at Oreo. <laughs> and and I just have to stop you because I love this statement because of the use of the word folks. Is oh, yeah. so perfect in this well, like the high le- no, but this high legalese to use the word folks. Oh yeah, it's just perfect. Yeah, right. This is they are mounting a, a real complaint, so they they continue to yeah. continue with the quote. Okay. So we finally filed an official complaint with the Federal Trade Commission. They reported that a buyer, a buyer of of Hydrox, had told them, "quote You're going to have to hire people to go into each of our stores and make sure Hydrox is not being hidden." Uh, and this is continuing with their Facebook post. Hydrox was moved to the very top shelf and replaced with either another flavor of Oreo or Nutter Butters. They were blocked by hanging tags or other products. And so this is actually an issue where um, you do have stalkers uh, or people stocking the shelves, moving things around, hiding different products, trying to have a competitive advantage. Um, and so Hydrox, in this case, is now seeking $800 million from Mondelez for damaging its cookie sales. <laughs> probably more than I've ever sold in the last yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna, it, it, did, are you sure it wasn't Mondelez that actually named Hydrox? Is it Mondelez or Mondelez? I think it's Mondelez. I'm not, I wasn't criticizing your pronunciation, okay. but I feel like the first thing that, that they, they should be angry about is the person who actually named them. I mean, oh, right. they, that, they should unveil the conspiracy of who decided to name their cookies Hydrox. Hydrox. The font is also kind of a bizarre font. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a very 90s kind of font. But anyway, I mean, this is, this is a big deal. No, this it's hi- not. Who hiding, cares about Hydrox? Hiding of, hiding of cookies is a big deal because of the greater implications. You're I mean, saying Mondelez got their hand caught in the... Uh, cookie jar. And so that's, that's a problem because, I mean, you almost have... As we were talking about in the cereal aisle, you have you do have antitrust concerns here because if the dominant player in this industry is hiding or placing where things go, because when I walk into a grocery store, okay. I buy what I see. If I don't see something, I'm not going to buy it. I mean, that just doesn't make sense. You're not going to buy something that you don't see. And so everything that's eye level, unless you're going in with a purpose to get Hydrox cookie, if you don't see right. it, you're not going to buy it. Don't you write a list before you go in or do you literally go in and go, I wonder what I'm going to buy today? Oh, oh I, look, I, Oreos. I have I have a very exciting experience in the grocery store. I, I, I do imagine. I kind of do it haphazard. I mean, because I you know I just prepare on the fly. Do you go hungry? 
Do we go hungry? No. Because this is a famous piece of advice. You never do you know this? You're never supposed to go grocery shopping hungry because then you come back and you're like, what the hell did I buy? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You're not supposed to do that. Yeah. But, but, Have a snack before. If you take one thing away from this podcast, eat before you go grocery shopping. Yeah. Well, and, and so this is a big deal. Could you imagine? Like, let's say, apply this to the auto industry. That if um, a Ford retailer, what is it like a like a seller? Dealership. Dealership, thank you, uh, was selling a bunch of Ford cars. And then GM got to go in and rearrange the entire lot. Mm. Like, that's not fair. That doesn't happen in other industries. And so in this case, uh, this is not a new complaint either. So there was um, a Senate hearing, a totally bizarre Senate hearing. I highly recommend looking yeah, let, it up. Let, let's, let's play the sound for people right yeah. there. Yeah, okay. And I do want to, before we start playing the sound, I do want to mention, so this is um, from C-SPAN, and it's a Senate Small Business Committee hearing in 1999. <laughs> And those all you small business committee has know which one we're talking yeah, about. Right. Oh yeah, <laughs> no. So those testifying had their. Well, it was a big. This was a big deal for the hearings because it was kind Firstly, of. Firstly, my favorite year is 1997, but 1999 was another great year for the small business <laughs> committee hearings. John Kerry, go back and listen to live album. <laughs> John Kerry was uh, leading this one. Actually. All right. Um, and those testifying, not as good as Jerry Garcia, but a close second. <laughs> close second. Those testifying had their identities concealed and their voices scrambled. It's a totally bizarre yeah. uh, hearing. You should. I highly recommend um, going to check it out online on C-SPAN, but we'll play a clip for you right now. I have information that the big competitor also has the ability to buy category sales and therefore knows exactly where they need to attack us, uh, reduce our sales, eliminate our sales, and the consumer is the ultimate loser. So there they're talking about the competitor actually getting data and sales information about their product, they were getting it from the, the grocery chain. Which, so, which now, I, I mean, I, it's, it's an interesting piece of tape, mm-hmm. but I think now that seems so trite. I mean, think about how much data Amazon gets about freaking everything that ever happened. Yeah, that's true. You know? Um, but, but in the sense, like, um, in this case, um, having not only having... Uh, a dominant player be able to rearrange the shelves, but then also know all the sales data of, well, let's say, Hydrox Cookie or some other place, uh, is is kind of, I mean, there there are certain advantages that keep... God, what I wouldn't do to get my hands on that Hydrox Cookie <laughs> we data. Sh- we should get some Hydrox Cookies in here and try them out. We we'll should. do it. We'll do a taste testing. Yeah. We'll let you guys know next week. They'll have a little celebration in their offices. Somebody bought a box! <laughs> oh, no. We'll see if they're actually as... Um, comparable to Oreo. But, you know, so this this definitely creates um, a, a tilting or a bias towards the major players in the industry yeah. because they're able to That's maintain fair. their uh, competitive advantage. Um, and so now that we've gone through all of this, I want to get through, we're going to roll through some of our knock-on effects finally. So, what we have is that given the fierce competition that's going on in the grocery business and the big shift in ad dollars to online... Okay. In some ways, you can think of slotting fees as going away from the grocery store to Amazon. Right, because if you're sitting there in Mondelez's offices, like a you know a real company, and, <laughs> oh. and you're <laughs> sorry, Hydrox listeners, oh, no. I don't know. Um, but but if you're sitting inside Mondelez's offices, you know, okay, we could continue to to shell out for shelf space, but more and more purchases are going <laughs> online anyway, and you know we can control more, we have data more, we don't have to send 
uh, someone to, to rearrange the shelves and exactly it's just it's just so much cleaner yes um, exactly and so all this a lot more money is going to be going online rather than towards the grocery store and so experts actually expect slotting fees in-store slotting fees to start to fade over time so this is where we get to our knock-on effect so first knock-on effect is that you're likely to see more varied products on shelves so maybe not on amazon but specifically on grocery store shelves because they won't have um, a high barrier to entry or as high a barrier to entry uh, to get onto the shelves Um, and that might not necessarily we're not going to start seeing chaos in the cookie aisle anytime soon. Although that does sound like the title of a great magazine article. Oh, it does. Yeah. Actually, there is chaos. I do want to mention this in the yogurt aisle. Oh, is that Hydrox's sister company? No, no. In the, in the yogurt aisle. Chaos yogurts? Chaos yogurts. Dip, it in, be... dip your Hydrox cookie in it? Oh, that would be cute. Another business idea. Um, no, so um, in the yogurt aisle, you'll notice that there's a whole bunch of like random brands. Uh, you don't have yeah, it's a, it's you, a you have you have Danon and you know Chobani and other things, but you also have a lot of smaller brands, yeah. and so that's where we've been able to see a huge amount of change. So, in this case, your I don't know someday your cereal aisle or the cookie aisle might start to look like uh, the yogurt aisle. That's our first knock-on yeah, effect. Okay. okay. Now the next one is that, uh, according to a report by uh, the Center for Science and the Public Interest, manufacturers of junk food are more likely to be able to afford the slotting fees, and as a result, uh, it means that the products you see tend to be more towards the junk food side. So, our second oh. knock-on effect is that you're actually probably going to start seeing healthier products um, on store shelves. So both these are pretty good so far for the consumer. Oh, yeah, so far. Yeah, so we're doing these. Yeah, Uh, that is if you're going to the store, I guess, if you're shopping online, you know, maybe barrier to entry to get on that first page of Amazon is even higher. And so people don't see your product there. So that, you know, so it's it depends on how how you're going about doing your shopping. But it's important because how you eat, um, it's not only the the brands that you see in the store, but possibly the the types of foods that you're likely to see. So this um, slotting fees affects the type of food. So, so help me understand that one. So that's basically slotting fees are going to go down in importance. So are, are, are more slotting fees are paid by junk food companies. So Yeah. And so okay. higher margin industries actually or businesses are, are more likely to pay a slotting fee. Things like apples don't pay a slotting fee. There's no like brand to apples. Right. And so you might end up seeing more um, Although berries have brands. Isn't that interesting? Ah, I didn't oh, know that. And, and I almost never buy non-Driscoll berries. I think they're not as good. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe they do pay a sl- I wonder if they pay a slotting fee. What about in Granny Smith versus Golden Delicious Apples? Oh, oh yeah, right. brands That's, there. Well, I well, it's mean. It's like Pinot Noir versus uh, Chardonnay. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's a, there's a whole marketing around it in France. So, you know, <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll push that. You know, like Champagne, the Champagne region, or Palmer Ham. Well, so now we What's Palmer Ham? Parma ham. It's a uh, ham from Parma. Oh, Parma ham. Okay. Yeah. I thought that was a kind of grape I'd know about. I got no, really no. embarrassed. <laughs> all this, all this food that I'm. Yeah, I'm actually feeling like very American over here because I don't know any of that food. Parma ham. No. But anyway, this is all from the consumer perspective. So now I want to shift gears and take a look at it from uh, the industry perspective. So margins are super thin in the grocery business. Mm-hmm. So for every dollar that you spend at a grocery store, they get like one. 
to two pennies from that. Mm. Um, and actually, so John Stanton, he's a professor of food marketing at St. Joseph University. He estimates that 60 to 70 percent of grocers' profits comes from fees like slotting fees. Wow. So he basically said that they make more money when they buy food than when they sell food, which is kind of a funny way to more look at it. More money when they buy food. Yeah, because they, they're getting all this money oh, from buying food than, than selling it. If they make only one penny from selling it, but they're making all these slotting fees, you know, half a million dollars for putting a candy bar in their checkout lane. They're right. doing pretty good just by stocking food. Oh, interesting. Um, so in that sense, uh, fading slotting fees could potentially mean even more consolidation in the grocery space. And that's a trend that we've already been seeing. But as their um, bottom line gets impacted by this, uh, they're going to possibly see more mid-size chains consolidating and it's specifically mid-size chains because they don't have the volume to survive on low margins like something Aldi or Walmart could do mm -hmm. and a lot of them haven't figured out how to compete in the niche uh, mark like organic space. what I call the Alex market oh yes yeah <laughs> your uh, Whole Foods market but actually I will say um, Whole Foods didn't you uh, just oh increase God, the prices of Whole Foods are incredible they the just so cheap. they just increased their um, slotting fees Really? Yeah. So it makes sense because yeah. because I've been noticed. I mean, I've been noticing things are as cheap as at Whole Foods as at a regular yeah. supermarket in so New York. I, I will say, you know, Whole Foods is gonna be in a very unique situation because sure. they're with Amazon, and so I almost put them in a different category of grocery store. Um, so we'll see how Whole Foods evolves over time. But really, it's the mid-sized stores that are struggling. And actually, uh, uh, grocery chain Tops said in its bankruptcy filing Oof. that it could neither afford to offer the sort of organic premium products that its high-end competitors are pushing, nor could it make the sorts of price cuts that would attract a, a Walmart shopper. It's very, inter it's very interesting. It's very similar to the Scott Galloway thesis. Scott Galloway has this thesis that in every for every um, category of thing mm -hmm. that there's a, a low end that works and there's a high end that works um ah and, yeah and so the things in the middle even if they're on the high end of the middle or or on the low end of the high end or you, you yeah. know the, the whole middle is just screwed right um so that's like the toys r us of the world you know like which was another big bankruptcy lately like the, the and, and hotel chains that are in the middle that aren't you know uh Premium. four seasons or aren't like motel eight six seven one, one Whatever, of those numbers, so it, it so it's really interesting. It's something that you're seeing, and I don't know if it's because of the internet or or, or enabled by the internet or just more bifurcation of, of incomes. Mm. Um, I think it's that one. Yeah, uh, that's what I would imagine. But but, it, but it's fascinating that it's happening in the supermarket space as well. Yeah, and so that's where it's. I I was just reading about all these grocery store closures, and I mean this is just a trend that with um, the fading of slotting fees will likely get exacerbated. And we have our final knock-on effect. So just to quickly recap, as the share of online advertising grows, as slotting fees slip, grocers are going to have to depend on new sources of income. And so one way that uh, they're doing this is through in-store bars and dining. So uh, giant Eagle stores, some of them in Pittsburgh, are now hosting events like Food and Wine Fridays, where you 
This is kind of interesting. You pay $5 for a wine glass, and then you stop by stations throughout the store for, like, wine samples and hors d'oeuvres. And, um, this is the shopping you need to do. Yeah, and, and they have a they have a three-piece. Yeah, talking about impulse shopping. Yeah, no, this is. You're, you're going to be buying. You're going to just, like, supermarket sweep by the end of it. <laughs> that sounds, they also have a, a three-piece band. So I mean, this sounds like a great. I mean, getting great sloshed time. In, in the fluorescent lights of a supermarket is not my idea of a fun Friday night, but who knows? I don't know. I think it would help boost sales in some ways. I mean, if you have shoppers like me Come going on. around, I think something I would enjoy. I think this is sort of perfect for New York, where there's probably lots of single people who will go and they'll meet. I know because these sorts of things. Because it's always the stereotype of like, oh, you know, introducing yourself to someone in the supermarket, yeah. and and here it's uh, you know they might be a little more receptive. Picking yeah. up off the floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You say, well, what sort of wine are you drinking? And then you say, oh, it's an aisle five. It's really good. Best wine. Uh-huh. Yeah. See, that's uh-huh. a great way to meet people. Um, oh, you love Hydrox cookies too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, you can find connections there. So that gets people into the store. But grocery stores also have to look at other ways um, to get products that are, are higher margins. And so um, that's that includes uh, delis, bakeries. Um, mm-hmm. You're going to probably see a lot more bakeries in stores. Um, so Progressive Grocer reported that in 2016, in-store bakery margins were over 45%, which is kind of amazing. I mean, if you think about their margins um, across the entire grocery business is um, 1% to 2%, and then suddenly in the bakery business, it's 45%. going to have a lot more baked goods in your store. It's that that warm bread smell. It just sucks you in, doesn't it? I mean, if you think about it, bread's pretty cheap to make. Oh, well, but but you need, it's it's an economy of scale kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you make your own hot cross bun. It'll take you a week. Yeah, right. So get your challah from the grocery store sure. rather than making it yourself. And then, of course, there's the meal kit space. So Kroger bought Home Chef for $200 million recently. Albertsons recently purchased meal kit startup Plated. And Walmart partnered with Gobble. So we are now seeing a lot more um mashups, pair-ups of sure. meal kits and uh, grocery stores. And that makes sense. I mean, yeah. think about it. You have all the items in your store. All you're doing is packaging them together and giving somebody a recipe and saying, here, go make it yourself. So it's like, why why not? And that's such a higher margin business to be in where they can actually make more than 1% to 2% uh, right, income. Right, because you're adding value. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let, let me ask you a question, which is, will this result, how will this affect prices of things that you buy in the supermarket because if the supermarket is making less money will that mean they have to increase the prices are they even able to increase the prices does the supermarket set the prices how do prices in supermarkets work i literally know nothing about it (laughs) so that's that's actually a question i was thinking quite a bit as i was doing all the research on this um it seems like prices are going to be neutral in the end because in some ways the the items were the products like, so let's say Kraft um, has to pay a slotting fee, and so they sure. have to p- charge a little bit more for their products um, because they're paying such a great fee. And so now that maybe they don't pay a fee in the grocery store, they don't have to set their prices so high. But then a lot of mm. the negotiation comes in terms of discounts and coupons and other things like that. Um, and so to be able to have your item on display in a certain area, you have to offer like a two-for-one deal or buy one, get one free or something like that. So maybe you might see less in-store promotional deals in grocery stores. Um, maybe that's shifting more online, but I, it's hard to say. It seems okay. like at the end of the day, it's a wash. You always know that the average man or woman is going to lose out somehow. 
Either That's they, what it feels they like. They might get ch- cheaper food, but then there'll be more cheaper pay or lower paid jobs through Amazon. So oh, yeah. you'll earn less. So it might be cheaper. So you know that the average man is just always going to lose with this. It doesn't matter how you how you look at it. Yeah, there's always some way to, yeah. to see it as a <laughs> lose Clean up situation. on aisle capitalism. Oh, nice. Well, anyway, so I hope I got you guys from uh, advertising online. I can't you let me get, get, get away with that one. That was really... I, I actually liked it. All right, thank you. Yeah, it was funny. Um, so we got all the way from advertising <laughs> to um, meal kits. Yes, we did. I got you guys there. Yeah? Yep. Got there. Liked it. Yeah, nice. Okay, well, that's... Where, where, where's the place that you can get these? You said you named some names because I'm going to go ahead and Oh, you want to... Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm sure... Yeah, uh, you know, we'll... I'm sure your local uh, Kroger or Albertsons. Are they in New York? No. No. Think, uh, maybe. Oh. Gosh, where do you shop, Justine? Um, I go to my local bodega, which... Um, what? For that's everyone such that a was... bad place to shop. I know. Oh, that oh. was tapas type stuff, isn't it? Uh, no. Oh, <laughs> tell people what the bodega is. Bo- that's a New York term. A, a bodega in New York is basically like a tiny convenience store. Corner so, shop. Yeah, it's a corner shop. Yes. Um, so I get my yogurt and bananas and milk and everything at probably three times the price yeah, of what it usually costs. Yeah, it's such a... You get ripped. I mean, it's... Yeah. They also have a deli and a f- uh, juice bar in there, so I occasionally partake. But anyway, yeah, um, I'm spending already way too much on my groceries. Yeah. So whatever happens with these slotting fees, I will say bodegas don't uh, probably don't pay slotting fees. Oh, they don't need them. Yeah, they don't. They don't get them. Uh, what we didn't touch on in this episode is food deserts, and as mid-sized chains close, um, right. that might potentially create more food deserts. In other words, places where it's hard to to buy uh, nutritious food. But we will have possibly in the new world of Amazon and online food delivery. Um, oh, come on. The food deserts are like when people can hardly afford the food anyway. Much, they're I not going to get delivery food. Well, they are spending a lot more money on at places like 7-Eleven, which do cost a lot more. So they are spending and more money. And smell weird. Yeah. And have fluorescent lights. Yeah. yeah, it's not good. Well, anyway, I hope you all enjoyed uh, this week's knock-on effect. I'm going to end it here. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. So I hope everyone enjoyed this week's Knock on Effect. We're here every Thursday on Real Vision. And if you want to check out the video version of this episode, you can go to realvision.com slash knock on effect, where you can sign up for your 14-day free trial. Yes. And uh, this week, we actually, for all you you people have been waiting to buy a subscription to Real Vision. And if you've been, for some reason, on the fence trying to should I get Real Vision, the world's best uh, financial media platform for $180 a year or not? We actually just made it easier for you this week. So, Roger, tell them about it. So if you sign up to Real Vision, you will now get free access to Business Insider Prime for one year worth $99. And to find out more info, go to www.realvision.com forward slash business hyphen insider. Yes, and if you call now, we'll throw in two packs of Hydrox cookies. Oh, nice. No, we, we actually won't. Okay, yeah. yeah. We'll try them and let you guys know what they actually taste like next week. All right, well, that does it. See you guys next week. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.